Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday sermon was given by guest speaker, Reverend Amanda Goldbeck. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him to receive a gift in return? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning and happy Labor Day. Twelve years ago this weekend, I boarded a plane and I relocated my life from one side of the United States to the other. It was Labor Day weekend, 2009, and I moved from Oregon to New Jersey to start seminary. I remember landing at JFK International Airport with two large suitcases. It was hot and a little humid, and I had taken a red-eye flight, so I was a little bit disoriented. I navigated my way to the shuttle pickup zone where a van picked me up to drive me the hour and a half to the seminary. And as we were driving, I took in the changing scenery from the New Jersey Turnpike, the industrialized airport area that turned into the sprawling neighborhoods of New York commuter families which then turned into the colonial historic houses surrounded by historic battlefields as we crept closer and closer to the seminary. And then finally, the van pulled up into the seminary and I got out. And before I had a chance to even wave goodbye to the driver, a very friendly and outgoing man grabbed my luggage, asked me what my name was, and then told me what dorm I was in. And then as Quickly as he had appeared, he was gone. And I made my way up, up the dorm stairs to my, to my room. And I sat on the bed in a very empty seminary dorm room. And I finally took it all in, what I had done. Moving across the country with only my two suitcases. And so suddenly I asked God, I said, God, Help me understand what in the world was I thinking when I said yes to this. I asked God, how could I have been so crazy to think that I should go to seminary? Well, that was the beginning 
of the next three years of my life. And when I went to seminary, I had grand ideas that it would be this idealistic place. I imagined that because it was a Christian community, it would be one rung below the kingdom. Everyone would get along and be friendly and welcoming. Faith and belief in God would be easy because it would be part of the fabric of everyday life. What I quickly discovered was that seminary was not a place where everyone had figured out how to be perfect Christians. We were all still human after all. It didn't lend itself to having more time for God or more time for prayer or more time to study the Bible. Life was still life and moved a million miles a minute. Exams and studying and working still required as much time and dedication, even if it was on the topic of the Bible or theology or ministry. Deep down, when I arrived at seminary, I was hoping that it would be like going on one long retreat or mission trip. I would feel God's presence everywhere and feel like I was achieving an A-plus as a Christian disciple. If you ask people about where they have felt closest to God, most people will describe a retreat or a camp experience or a mission trip they have gone on. When I talk to the youth, that is often what they describe as their closest God moment. Some of it has to do with being away from daily life and responsibilities, and some of it has to do with getting to experience God's creation a little more closely. So think about a time when you have felt closest to God. Think about a time when you have felt peace or beauty in an all-encompassing way. In a previous church I served, we would take the youth to the Montreat Conference Center in the mountains of North Carolina every summer. And part of the tradition of being there was going on a sunrise hike. There was nothing like standing high above the Blue Ridge Mountains, gazing at God's beauty as the sun rose. Those God moments are invigorating and fulfilling. We experience those in glimpses through women's and men's retreats and youth trips and children's camp, VBS, and mission trips. Then we come down the mountain back to our everyday life, and the challenge is God tends to fade into the background. The busyness and the to-do lists and the work expectations seem to make it impossible to feel God so brilliantly. There aren't enough hours in the day we continue to discover. And what I discovered through my dashed kingdom experience at seminary and my new life as a parent and my time serving in churches is that there will never be enough hours in the day. In our scripture for today, Paul remarks in the final verse of chapter 11 that for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. God is the source, the beginning and end of all things. It is through God that we have come to be, that our lives and everything in them is made possible. And this is what makes ordering our lives in ways that bring glory to God the only meaningful way to live. Now, I believe that we all know this deep down. 
As Augustine said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. We want to make time for God. We want to experience God in fulfilling and enlivening ways. But there just never seems to be enough time in the day. When we then talk ourselves into thinking that we would have more time for God, if we could just escape from all the complications of the day today. In March, when this pandemic caused our entire world to be turned upside down, time and our experience of it was suddenly very different. Our calendars were wiped clean, at least sort of. The activities and the events that we had used to mark time were canceled or in some respect erased. If you were an essential worker, time sped up, going faster than you could ever imagine. But for others of us, suddenly we had all the time in the world in many respects. Now our world pivoted pretty quickly, and the vortex of Zoom and FaceTime and Google Rooms and Netflix parties sucked us in pretty quickly. Any extra time we had evaporated, it seemed. We are so good at laboring, at working, at doing, that we quickly filled up that time with cleaning and baking and gardening or simply working more. The eight-hour workday has now become a 24-hour workday. And now, almost six months into this pandemic, and we are just as tired, if not more so, than when we began. Now, I don't say all this to make us feel bad or to guilt us, or because I think that this is just the reality that we live in, that there's just never enough time and we won't ever be able to make time for God. So there is something very fitting, I think, that my seminary experience began on Labor Day weekend. While Labor Day is a secular holiday, maybe this Labor Day we are called to pause and question the dichotomy that we have created between secular and sacred. Maybe there is something deeply biblical about the motivation of this holiday. Interestingly, the founding of Labor Day has Chicago roots. The first Labor Day parade took place in New York, marching from New York City Hall to a giant picnic in an uptown park on September 5, 1882. But this, this was the unofficial first Labor Day event. Officially, Labor Day began in 1894. In the summer of 1894, the Pullman strike severely disrupted tra rail traffic in the Midwest. And the federal government used an injunction and federal troops to break the strike. It had started when the Pullman Palace Car Company lo lowered wages without lowering rents in the company town, also called Pullman, a town that is now a part of Chicago. During the crisis, President Grover Cleveland signed a bill into law on June 28, 1894, declaring Labor Day a national holiday. Now, Labor Day is not about celebrating the end of summer, which it has become for many. It is about acknowledging workers and providing a day of rest 
What if we spent this Labor Day rightfully resting, but also reflecting on where God is in our lives and our labor? What if we really spent time examining the excuses we are using to justify relegating God to only Sunday mornings or to a quick prayer before bed or dinner? Now, I think if we spend time reflecting what we are going to discover is that it isn't a lack of love for God or a lack of a desire to be faithful. It's because we forget that for from him and through him and to him are all things, as Paul reminds us. A faithful life is not what happens when everything else is taken care of and we have more time on our hands. A faithful life isn't what happens when the laundry is all folded and the kids are all fed and all the work is filed for the day. A faithful life is this. It is this moment, here and now. It's in the next five minutes and at eight o'clock tonight when the kids are in bed. A faithful life happens when we are at our desk meeting with our boss or mowing the lawn or riding the bus. A faithful life happens when we are grocery shopping or texting a friend or working on our schoolwork. There will never be more time in the day. As Genesis reminds us, God created day and God created night and there were six days to work and one to rest. And we will never be able to squeeze more time out of what we have been given. What Paul is pointing us to is the reality that we don't need to find more time. Rather, we need to make use of the time that we have been given. We're invited to seek to live into the here and the now with a consistent intention to put God first, to open ourselves to experiencing God at work in and through us. Everything we do, from our job to school, to sports, to hobbies, to chores, to vacation, to days off, is from God. And God is at work in and through it. There is no time or space where God is not present. John Calvin remarks of Paul's words, he shows that it is very far from being the case that we can glory in any good thing of our own against God. Since we have been created by him from nothing and now exist through him, he hence infers that our being should be employed for his glory. For how unreasonable would it be for creatures whom he has formed and whom he sustains to live for any other purpose than for making his glory known? Now, this doesn't mean anything goes. That we can just go about our lives claiming it's all in God's hands, so it's okay to skip church or ignore helping those in need because we had to work late that night or ditch our small group to go out to dinner with friends. God is with us, working in and through us to seek God's will in the world. We can join with that by ordering our lives and labors in a way that seeks to multiply God's efforts. That, at its heart, comes down to choices. 
I made a choice to move my entire life across the country 12 years ago because I decided to lean into God's work in my life. It was hard, and it came with joy and tears, many great and many trying experiences. And let me just be clear, I had other plans for my life. I wanted to order my life in a very different way. Would I take it all back now, though? No. It was hard, but it was worth it. And my work to become a more faithful disciple continues today. This Labor Day, how can we spend some time reflecting on how we are ordering our lives? What are we putting first that may be squelching our ability to let God work in our lives? And how can we open ourselves to letting God lead us? There is so much going on in our world right now. And many of us are so very tired. And the thing is, God knows that. But God also knows that bringing about the kingdom is hard, hard work. So let us, let's take our day of rest. And let's once again let God be that which guides our lives. Leading us to work for justice for all. And leading us to dive deeply into God's rich word and leading us to seek God's glory in all the days of our lives. Amen.